I am so glad to see you guys. I have just, I don't know what it is. A cold weather? Are you over it? Are you kind of tired? You know, snow loses its charm after Christmas, doesn't it? it just, it's kind of like we just set in and we get ready and we just kind of grind our way through. And this has been one of the coldest winters since I've lived in Knoxville uh, that I've had. And I'm just kind of done. And something about cold weather, I just go, uh, you know. And on top of that, Almost all my teams are losing everything, no matter what sport it is. Um, I'm going to pull for you, and you're going to lose. That's kind of the way that that works. So to cheer myself, I speak to my soul. You know how in the Bible, especially in the Psalms, it says, my soul will sing to myself, or my soul will say to myself. So I've been talking to myself, which is not so unusual. My family can tell you that I, I talk and answer myself and have delightful conversations because I'm good company. Um, one of the three, three things that I tell myself that seems to have worked and just put me in a better frame of mind. One of those, I'm not going to tell you. At least not from here. If you come up afterwards, after our worship experience, and, and you say, hey, Dan, what's that first thing that just cheers you up? I'll tell you. I'll tell you one-on-one. Uh, but up here, here's what I'm going to The other two things I'll tell you is this. One, I knew I was going to get to worship with you today. And we've had snow days, and we've had, you know, holidays, and just different kind of schedule. And I thought, Lord, today, um, the good Lord's will, and we get to worship together and get to hear the worship team. I love this band and these singers and just what they do, and they just refresh me and just be able to lift up uh, the glory of God. And I knew that was going to happen today, and I was looking forward to getting to be back with you. And the third thought uh, I had actually while walking my dog in the cold weather, uh, just freezing to death. And I, but, but, you know, this thought hit me. I'm heaven-bound. I know this is corny, but would you just say that with me? I'm heaven-bound? Let's say that. I'm heaven-bound. Doesn't that feel good? Like, whatever happens this week, whatever else is going on, you think, yeah, but I'm going to heaven. <laughs> whatever else happens. And I don't, I think I got biblical grounds. It's not going to be any snow in heaven or anything of that kind of stuff. It's going to be it's going to be nice. It's going to be nice. Hey, today is a little bit of a different day at Calvary because we are um, doing something that we just do you know, once a year. We have a ministry. One of the ministries of our church is that of the role of a deacon. And today we're bringing three new guys onto that deacon ministry team. And uh, we felt like we ought to do this on a Sunday morning worship service. So it's kind of a different thing. But um, just, just go with that with us today because I think what we're going to talk about and what we're going to see happen today is really for all of us because we are all, you ready for this? We're all deacons. I'm going to tell you where I've landed with this and studying about this specific role because the Bible uses the word deacon in a lot of different uh, applications. It, 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 it occurs over... 29 times, about 29, 30 times in the New Testament, this little word, diakonos, or diakonon. And, and it is a noun. It's actually two words put together. Let me just share it. Those of you who are kind of geeky like me and you like the etymology of things, the, the word uh, dia, which means thoroughly, you know, kind of com- completely, thoroughly to do something, and, and the word conus, which is the word dust. You think, oh, I get it now thoroughly dust. That's so beautiful. <laughs> you know, now, here's the idea, and kind of what that means. It, it literally is to, to thoroughly raise up dust 
by moving in a hurry. The idea, you ever heard, he's kicking up some dust. Uh, when we used to race, we would say, eat my dust. That's, that's this whole idea. You think, I never heard that. That's kind of weird. How does that apply uh, to being a deacon? It was also used originally of a runner in a race because they run so fast and they kick up dust. Or somebody that's working so hard and they're just kicking up dust all around because they didn't have paved flooring or, you know, tile and carpet and all of that. So uh, they're just so busy that they're just getting the place dusty. Literally, in, in the verb, um, uh, diakoneo, it's, it's this word that means I serve. And I think we've heard that sometimes, at least in, in my tradition, for most of my life, all of my adult life, I've been a Baptist. So I'm pretty familiar with this environment. It, this kind of makes sense to me. And when I hear the word deacon, I go, oh yeah, I know, I know about that. I know what a deacon is. Never been one, but I understand that concept and that role. Some of you are not Baptist, right? Or you didn't come from that tradition. Some of you didn't grow up in any kind of uh, church environment or anything like that. And so everything, I can remember when everything was new to me. And I was kind of checking out going, well, what's that about? And why do they do it this way? Uh, some are from other denominations and we've kind of come here. One of the things I love about Calvary is the diversity uh, that we represent uh, in so many different ways. We're from several different nations and places of the country uh, and different kind of backgrounds. I read a little cartoon the other day, and there's a couple welcoming another couple into their church, and they said, you'll find that we're a very diverse church as long as your diversity is the same diversity as ours. <laughs> I think, I think oh, yeah, I kind of get that. So let me just walk through what this means when it says, diakoneo, you know, I'm a, I'm a deacon, I'm deaconing. And it literally means, when you, when you go to a restaurant today, and someone comes up and says, hey, would you guys like to get, you know, something to eat? And they begin to, we call them a waiter a waitress, or a server. Do you know that's literally the word diakonos? That's who they are. They're, they're servants. It was never, ever intended in the New Testament to be a position of authority in uh, a biblical church. It has evolved into that in some denominations or churches or places. Uh, that role took on some sort of a, a status. You know, it took on some sort of a, a meaning of a rank. And that's really never, ever what it, what it was in, in the Bible, uh, what that was about. As I mentioned before, there are variations of that word that show up all throughout the, the Bible. And usually in the New Testament, out of those 29 times, usually that word just means a servant. In fact, Jesus said, those of you who want to be the greatest in the church, then be a deacon. Yeah, servant. Be, serve others. And it's that same word. But he's not referring there to the specific role of deacon that, like Paul mentioned in 1 Timothy 3. When Paul said, here's this role of deacon, and here are the requirements for that, qualifications, you know, here are the, the standards that, that we, when we pull somebody into that position to serve, uh, here's what we kind of expect from that, and here's what that looks like. Uh, he's not talking about that. Do you remember Jesus' first miracle when he turned the water into wine? And his mother came up and said, Oh, Jesus, we don't have enough wine for the wedding. And, and they were running out and we don't know what to do. And Jesus said, Tell the servants to fill up these, these jars you know, with water. He used the word deacon. He said, Tell the deacons to do that. Now, they didn't have a deacons meeting and say, You know, I move that we fill the jars up and I second the motion. They didn't, they didn't do it like that. 
we'd probably be more comfortable sometimes because of the way we think about, you know, we live in a republic and we kind of pattern after that sometimes. Uh, but uh, what I'm trying to get you to see is that being a deacon is kind of twofold. We're all deacons in the larger sense of the word. We're all servants. When you are called to follow Christ, you were called to serve. Now, the specific meaning of that, and you think, well, what is this about the role of deacon? Later in the New Testament, there began to be these instances where they needed specific people to fulfill a specific role of service. And the way it came about was exactly in the way I mentioned a moment ago, you know, where I talked about the fact that it's, it's literally serving tables. It is the outgrowth of that, and so busy serving tables that they're kicking up dust. You ever been to a restaurant where they're so busy and you're trying to get their attention? You think, I, we, we haven't gotten our... And they're, I'll be right with you. I've got this whole section to myself. And, and they're just really busy. That is a beautiful, perfect picture of what it means to be a deacon. And that's what was happening in the New Testament church. The apostles, those early pastors and leaders of the church, found themselves so busy. They were trying to teach and to lead singing. Yes, they even they sang, had worship services. Um, they would take these collections, and they're, they're trying to figure out what's the best use of these funds and the, the wisest you know, allocation of where this should go. And they're ministering to people, and they're praying with people, and, and they're doing all of this. And in the midst of that, they had these meals that would be attached uh, to these worship services, and they would eat together. And the apostles were the guys were like, they're out of water over here at table four, you know, and they were doing that and saying, oh, you need some more food. And, and they were trying to serve the tables. And they were, and, and it, at some point, they just stopped and said, wait, we can't do all this. Let us call out of this fellowship some people who would be willing to serve the body of Christ in very real, tangible ways. And they called these people the deacons. And they said, well, we don't want just anybody. We want people who live up to a godly standard because they will represent our fellowship uh, in this front-line kind of a ministry. They will be the very first people that a lot of folks coming in. There were Jews and Greeks and just all kinds of folks from that culture coming into the church, and they said, we need somebody who's really going to represent as well. So let's choose the godliest people that we have uh, among us. And those were the first deacons. Now, when I was reading through some passages this week, and in my personal time, I'm studying Philippians, and just really, God's just blessing me from that uh, scripture. And I know it's familiar for a lot of us, but I thought, God, I want to move beyond familiarity. I want to be intimate with the book of Philippians, uh, especially between now and my birthday. That's, that's kind of my, my personal thing. So reading in, in that passage one day, there was a word that just jumped off the page. You ever had that, you know, where you're just reading a, a phrase or a verse or a jerk? It, it just, it just kind of keep coming back to it. And I highlighted it, and the next day I'm kind of looking back, and then I got this little journal, I, I look and I think, that word, and I circle it. And so then in preparing for today, I saw this word, and it popped back up again in the Scripture. And it's the word blameless. And I want to read to you in the context of this, because it applies to us all, but it especially... For me, I think it sums up what deacon ministry is really all about. Okay? So let's read this, this text together. It's in 1 Corinthians. It begins like this. And we're going to read the third through the, I think, the ninth verse. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of His grace given you in Christ Jesus. 
For in him, you've been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless. The ESV says guiltless, but it's blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. Is faithful. What does it mean to be blameless? Does that mean we're going to choose people to serve us who are, are just perfect? Oh yeah, he's, he's, you've pretty much got to be, you know, uh, just zero faults, a flawless kind of a... That's, that's not exactly what it's talking about. In fact, there are three words in the Bible uh, that talk about what this means to be blameless. To be blameless. The first one's in the Old Testament. It's the word Tom in Hebrew. And, and what it means is to, to be complete. It really means to complete. A completeness in the context of something coming to an end. And guess who it was used about about 19 times in the Old Testament where this word pops up again and again and again. It's in the book of Job. In a reference to Job, they said he was a blameless man. Now, does that mean that Job was sinless? No. Does that mean Job was perfect? No. If you read the book about him, which is like the oldest book we have in the Old Testament, you'll find out pretty quickly, no, he wasn't perfect. But the Bible said he was blameless. That he was complete. He was, there was a maturity and a faithfulness about him that you don't see every day. So that's the first use of that word and what it means. The second use um, is, a, is a word, apocros um, kapas. And, and what it means is it refers to a smooth road where you could go down without stumbling. You know how in the winter here, uh, our road says, we, you know, it freezes and then gets warm and we get these potholes in it. Uh, I was driving down a street yesterday that I, I drive down a lot. It has a lot of potholes, and I kind of know where to dodge them. And so I'm driving, and, and, and I just kind of float. It's like a boat or an airplane. I, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of, I stay in my lane, pretty much, and, and, and just kind of float around these potholes. And I could tell there was somebody behind me, and I thought, they think I'm texting or eating or something because uh, they don't know I'm doing this purposefully. You know, and I'm just kind of, oh, there's another one, whew, I kind of know that. Maybe if you've been hiking in the Smokies, uh, you know, some of these trails, they have rocks. Or maybe you, you go ride your mountain bike up on Hall Ridge. There's a couple of trails, got a lot of big rocks and roots on them. And you, and you hit those and you hit those and you're trying to find a route, you know, as you're grinding up or flying down that doesn't have a lot of those rocks. It, here's the way this word, you know, was applied to life at that time, okay? And, and this is what we are to be blameless. I need just four people real fast. Just pop up here, Ben. And could you just come up here? Okay, here's what we're going to do. You know, it's kind of like, okay, uh, Ben's, he's walked into, what's your favorite deli? Where do you like to eat? What, or what, where do you go? You don't know. It's okay. It's all right. Come on, let's just say, how about Firehouse? Welcome to Firehouse. Okay, and you step up. You're probably going to get the hook and ladder, but you know, you're not real sure as you step up and you're kind of looking at the menu. You know how you go to the same places over and over and you stare at the menu up behind the counter? Like you've never been in a McDonald's before? Ah, uh, I'll have the... And you're going to get the same thing. Well, Ben's doing that, and, um, and all of a sudden, then somebody else comes in, and they go, 
oh, she's, she's kind of fooling around. She's thinking about stuff. And she's standing in line waiting on this guy to hurry up, you know, and make up his mind. And then somebody else comes in. And then, you know, and she's like, oh, she's playing with her phone. And she's texting. And she's Facebooking because she's got such a cool phone. And this guy comes in and says, I'm hungry. My lunch break's going. You know, I know I'm going to get the hook and ladder. And, and uh, you know, and then, you know, they're doing that. So then I come in. And I'm looking at the scores, and I'm going, oh, no, not again. Oh, no, not again. And, and I'm looking at people are tweeting during church. I'm thinking, what's up with that, you know? It's so rude. I'm speaking. And I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing. So as I'm, as I'm kind of checking out my phone, I don't see this guy in front of me. And I bump him, and he bumps her, and she bumps her, and she bumps him. What this word means in the New Testament is don't cause other people to bump into each other. Don't stumble in your personal life because when you stumble, you cause other people to stumble. And we've all been in that scenario, right? You've been at the theater. You've been at a concert or somewhere and it's just crowded. You've been in line at an amusement park and people are bumping you. And you're like, hey, get out of my space. You're bumping me. You're like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Thank you so much. You guys are great line standard people. And uh, I'll see you at Firehouse. Uh, Joe told me he would love to buy your lunch today as a thank you for that. And, and I suggest that, uh, yeah, I suggest that hook and ladder. That's what this word means. When you're blameless, it means that, that you're, uh, you're, you're, you're walking and living a smooth road kind of a life. That by your mode, your lifestyle, you're not troubled. You're not distressed by the consciousness of sin in you that affects other people. A lot of us say, well, my sin doesn't bother anybody but me. I, I, I used to say that too, actually, because right, it kind of helps us to feel a little less guilty. Well, at least I'm not bothering anybody else. It's just my little private sin. The longer I live, guys, the more I'm finding out, that's just not true. Your sin affects the lives of other people. There's this devastating, this awful dark ripple that goes out from your personal life, even your secret sins usually end up affecting other people and you cause people to stumble. So when we ask somebody to be a deacon, we say, is there anything in your personal life? We need you to be blameless. We need you to be blameless. And there's one other use of this word, anaketus, and it's in Philippians, that original text I told you about. And what that means is that even though you've been accused of something, you know, there are all kinds of accusations, you know, you, you make about each other. And it's not always where you stand up in front of the town, you know, with pitchforks and, and torches and go, I accuse you of, you know, whatever it is. It, it doesn't happen like that, does it? Isn't it usually more subtle? It's just gossip. Or people who know half a story, and so they repeat that half a story, and they give it their own flair. You know, they give it their own little a little twist to it. And so now you've got some of that information and they mention somebody and they talk about that and they really don't know, but that now there's something out there. This word means that if you're brought into a court of law and they do all the investigation, you know, whether you are, I was trying to think of some of the, you know, we, oh my goodness, don't we understand this in our town? We understand it from the SEC. <laughs> We, uh, in, in CAA, we, we understand that. We understand about, you know, being, being blamed for something. We understand on a government level when somebody's investigated. 
There was a man released this, this week because they discovered that his DNA kind of exonerated him from a specific crime that he had been accused of, served 30 years in prison. And they go, oops, oh, we got the wrong guy. And now we're able to do that. So he stepped out this week, and he is this word, blameless. Though accused and investigated, you know, as, as a court would just dig in, he's found blameless. The kind of people that we need serving in this environment is those that even if we were to take a good hard look at your personal life, even under investigation, it doesn't mean you won't be accused. It doesn't mean that you won't have, you know, because you will. Anytime, listen, anytime you step into a spotlight, whether it's a little spotlight, you're a mom, you're a dad in your family, your kids are going to think some things about you sometimes. You, you just wish, oh, if they could just know my heart, I'm not here to hurt them, I'm not here to hinder them. You know, I, I want to bless them, I want to do good things. But because you're the mom, because you're the dad, you're in that little spotlight, and they don't always understand, Right? We've all been there. And as, as you step into more public ministry, the spotlight gets a little bigger or a little more intense. When you're a pastor, when you're a deacon, there will be people who know part of the story or this, or they'll disagree and not get this. And, and, and they may accuse you. They may talk about you in a way that's not flattering or hurtful. And every now and then, you'll hear about that. It'll hurt your feelings. You'll get upset. You'll get, kind of get mad and you think, wow. But they don't find anything. Because you're blameless. doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you're sinless. It just means that your talk and your walk match. That you are who you say you are. You don't know what it's like to, to get that call to say, well, I did business with this guy, and he's a deacon over at your church. You know, and you just can't avoid that. I know that's maybe a southern thing, but that idea is still there. Well, they're a member of your church. I had a lady one time just so mad at me, just in a rage, and she said, and you call yourself a preacher? I said, yeah, that's what I call myself. I'm the preacher. I'm pre just call me preacher. You know, and, a lot of, and some people do. But it's kind of like, that was, that was this accusation. It was this was something. So, men, when you step into this role today, realize there'll be a lot of beautiful moments and a lot of uh, just, just wonderful, sweet times there'll be moments where you think, why did I sign up to do this? I just want to be a servant. And now they're blaming me because of that. And, and this didn't work out good. And I'm kind of the ones who, and we stand shoulder to shoulder you know, in, in ministry together, even though that happens and there's a full investigation. Now that's kind of what it means to be blameless. And again, let me say this. That is for, you know, we, that's our expectation of somebody in that specific role who served this fellowship as a deacon, but it's also for all of us. It's for all of us so that we can step back into the workplace tomorrow, back into the classroom tomorrow with integrity. That we can say, yeah, check out my life. I'm not going to cause you to stumble. And if you take a hard look, you know, I, I was listening to a guy this week on uh, Bill O'Reilly's show. He's an atheist and and he did, I don't know if you saw that interview, but it's just ridiculous. And he just began to make all these accusations about Christians, and there's corruptness here, and, and these people are not very smart because they just follow blindly. And I just thought, that's so unfair. And, and, and I, and I want to know, I want to say, hey, do you actually know any Christians? Or were you hurt at some time in your life? Did, were you wounded 
by someone who called themselves a pastor or a deacon or, or a Christian, and now you hold everybody accountable for that. See, what our heart is, is that as best we can, we're going to live for Jesus. And even though people investigate, even though they might say mean things and, and misunderstand what our intent is, and that's going to happen more and more and more in this culture. And you, you know that, and I know that. We're not naive about where our society is, is headed in, in regards to that. Um, but they don't find anything but just the love of Jesus. Just the love of Jesus. Here's, here's a biblical definition from uh, Dan Riley's commentary. It says this uh, about a deacon. Those who assist the pastor in caring for the needs of others as the Lord guides in an active and practical way. It's a very practical, hands-on kind of ministry. We feel like God's given us a fresh vision for that today. So let me share with you who our deacons are here at Calvary in that specific role, okay? In one sense, remember, we're all servants. We're all servers. Can I get you some more? Can I do this for you? We all do that. But in a specific way, as the Bible, as the, the church experience went forward, they called specific people out and said, would you serve us? People full of the Holy Spirit, would you serve us in, in the body of Christ? And they said, yes, we would, we would like to free these guys up who are doing ministry so that they don't have to wait tables and then prepare the message and go visit a hospital and, and counsel and pray and do, you know, do these things. Uh, you know what? We're going to free you up. We're, we're going to go. We're going to take care. Make sure the chariot's filled with gasoline. We're going to do all the things we got to do uh, so that you guys can do that. That's the role of a deacon. And here, here are ours. First, uh, and these are in random order. Okay. And you know what? What I love about this. You know how in the beginning I mentioned diversity. God gives us that even. Um, when I look at these names, here's a here's a mechanic and a salesman. Here's a medical doctor. Here's an engineer. Uh, here is a, a, a farmer uh, and and professor in the university. Uh, here's just here's a, a policeman and a military guy. I mean, did God, we're just all over the place uh, with with the personalities and the giftedness. And that that's why we're not looking for somebody who can you do you know this about finance? Do you know this about you know, uh, the building grounds. No, it, it's about your heart. It's about your character. It's that we're blameless. And here are these men. First of all, is David Coffey is one of my heroes and has been for a long, long time. He will be our chairman this year. And I'm excited about getting to work with David. Uh, the others are Chuck Anderton, Bill Miller, uh, Dave Rankin, Jim Trotter, and Carl, Carl Ford who is actually in Florida, I think, today. But uh, those are guys, and we're bringing on three new guys. And these guys I have asked to step up and just to share with you uh, for three minutes uh, who they are, and just a little bit about their life so that you can be introduced to them. I think you know, several of you know these guys. Some of these others are, you may not be as familiar with, or it's their first time to serve. And then we're going we're gonna to let them tell us a little bit about themselves, and then we're just going to pray over them, Okay. Uh, and just just have a prayer of blessing for them. And then that's going to wrap things up for us today. But I wanted you to get to know uh, these three guys because I think they're three blameless people. Is, is blue okay? Um, all of these men just, oh, wow, God has given us some champions. So that's about normal height right there. Uh, <clears throat> if you're freakishly tall, I tell you what, I will go ahead and move it up a little more. That's, that is weird, but okay. Um, we'll do that. And, well, they don't know who to, who to get. I'll just say these, are, these three men are Scott Egan. And if you, when I call your name, just step on up, uh, please. 
And then you'll feel the pressure of the guy standing behind you. Um, Scott Egan, Tommy Atkins, and Ben Doty. Okay, so if you guys will come up and just introduce yourself to us. Oh, you're such I a deacon. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> so uh, what, is, what is unusual, I think, or a little bit unusual about my story is that uh, having graduated college and going into the military, into the Army, uh, my wife and I and my family, we spent uh, all of my adult life we moved around a lot, and while we, we still went to church and went to chapel, we really never got the opportunity during that time to really experience a, a church home, a real church home. And since, uh, since we've been, Lynn and I have been here, we have really found Calvary to be that church home that everybody seeks, and we're very blessed to be a part of that. So I would like to, I want to give back to that. You guys have given us so much. I want to give back something to you all as well. My, I, I fully embrace and, and try to live the servant leader philosophy in the Army from the time I was a second lieutenant. We were taught in order to be a good leader, you have to be a good follower. And that's what I want to do. I want to be a good follower. I want to support the pastors. I, you know, I believe in stating my opinion, but if the, if the pastors, if the staff uh, have an idea, and as long as it's not illegal or immoral, <laughs> I'm going to state my opinion, and if they choose to move on, then I'm going to support them 100% to the best of my ability. So I just, uh, I, again, I welcome the opportunity to serve the pastors and to serve the church. Thanks. For those that don't know me, I'm Ben Doty. Uh, I was born, uh, born in... Cleveland, Tennessee. Well, yeah, Cleveland, Tennessee. Um, I'm thinking Chattanooga, somewhere in that general vicinity. Uh, I was saved March 5th, 1992, at Kirby Woods Baptist Church, Memphis, Tennessee. Um, we moved shortly thereafter to Cleveland, back to Cleveland, where I met my lovely wife uh, in the eighth grade. We've been together ever since. Um, got married. Have <laughs> thanks. You know, um, have three beautiful boys. Um, we grew up in 
Westwood Baptist Church in Cleveland, Tennessee, and it had the ugliest orange carpet, uh, orange pews. So Tina came up here to go to college. I, I stayed there, worked, and we got married. I wanted to go to college, so we moved up here. We were looking for a church home, walked in here. It had the same ugly orange carpet, same ugly orange pews. We knew we were home. Uh, I mean, when, I, when you grow up in a church, you know, you kind of expect things to be the kind of the thing, same when you grow up, you know. Um, we found that here. We've, it's a family atmosphere that we have here. Um, I've been a part of two great community groups. I've worked with the youth. I'm currently working with the children. Love every minute of it. Um, Scott said it all, truthfully. Uh, I'm here to serve you guys. That's, I'm a police officer by trade, uh, but I, I'm part of being a police officer is being a servant. Um, you've got to be able to discern truth from lies, um, look into people's eyes and their hearts and know what they're, what they're talking to you and, and shooting you straight. And I just I hope that I can bring that to, uh, to this church. Um, I hope that I can be the, just the servant that you guys need. And if you need me, don't hesitate to call me. This is way low. Oh, do I sound big? Oh, the email I got was we were roasting Dan. I didn't know we were doing the... Sorry. It was a mistake to give me three minutes up here. I just want you to know that, Dan. Um, to keep me on check, I thought I would write a few things down. Um, first off, you like me. You really, really like me. Oh, sorry. Well, um, the...